All right, chapter one, guys, in your Bortowski book. That is the smaller textbook that uh, we have there. It's, chapter one's entitled The Landscape Design Process and Presentation Graphics. So we're going to talk a little bit about the steps in doing a landscape design and then the type of graphics that we will show. Um, we won't necessarily get to all of the presentation graphics in this class. Uh, the plan that I showed you guys yesterday is where I want to get you guys up to. Doubtfully that we will get to section drawing or even coloring the plan. It just depends on how fast we move through this class. But I, I want you guys to, to develop the basic two-dimensional plan drawing skills. That way when we move into 213 uh, in the spring semester, uh, we'll pick up from there and start doing more section elevations and even more construction detail drawing. So uh, chapter one's good. After you um, watch this presentation, I highly recommend going and reading chapter one and, um, and just double taking, taking some notes on it and taking notes during this presentation and uh, comparing the two. So our objectives, we're going to understand the role of presentation graphics in the landscape design process. Now, what do y'all think that is? In your terms, what is presentation graphics? What would you think it is? It is communication. We are communicating our ideas to our clients. We're the problem solvers. And I always like to tell my students that we are people's problem solvers when it comes to their landscape. And how we show them how we've solved the problem is with our presentation graphics. Second objective, identify the different phases of the landscape design process. What do you think the first step would be? What do you think that first step is? You're sitting in your office, it's on a Tuesday morning, eight o'clock, that phone rings. What, stop, what starts that design process? The call from the customer. You interviewing the client. That kind of sounds different, don't it? It sounds reversed. Usually clients interview people that they're going to hire, but you have to interview the client. Why do we need to interview the client? And there's a whole chapter on interviewing the client. But what do you think is the most important thing about that? What do they want? What do they want? Do they want to hire us for a landscape design? Are they wanting a free estimate? What did I talk about yesterday? Or are they wanting that free what? consultation and we need to X that really quick and you need to state up front I charge for my design because a lot of people a lot of residential clients will think that that that's a free service hey can you draw me a landscape plan walk around my yard tell me what I need to do do me some sketches and then we'll get back with you we'll get back with you I don't like that you got to let them know up front, hey, I charge for consultation. If you already have a landscape design, I'll be glad to give you a free estimate because I can take that plan back to the office and estimate it fairly quickly. Third objective is to understand the ultimate goal of the landscape design. And again, that goes back to solving their problem. What is our... Uh, well, I hadn't told you this yet, but what do you think is our two top tools that we use in landscape design? Now think, think on this deeply. 
because it's not a computer, it's not magic markers, but what do you think our two best tools that we have in landscape design that we go through like turning on the water and letting it flow. I mean, we, we're using it up every single day. There's two main tools. One I showed you yesterday, and the other should be in that design kit that's sitting on your desk right now. Trash paper is number one, exactly. What do you think the second? What do you gotta, what do you gotta have to use that trash paper with? Hmm? Pencil. Pencil, or my favorite thing in the whole wide world to write with is a Sharpie or a Pentel sign pen. And there's probably a Pentel sign pen in your design kit. It should be because I've asked them to put it in there. If not, we have them at the Student Service Center and I'll be glad to go and buy them and, and pass those out to you guys. But a Sharpie works just as well too. And we're gonna, that's how we solve our problems, is we have that base map or that plat survey that we've blown up and then we lay trash over it and we start designing our ideas, sketching it, writing all kinds of information. Our two best tools. Trash is uh, that roll of just that clear transparent paper that we lay over top of a drawing and then we can draw all over it, and then it doesn't mess up our base map. And so, and if we don't like what we do, we tear that off and we just ball it up and we throw it in the trash can and we start over. Yesterday, I mentioned what do design students have, what's the first step they need to do when they've got a blank piece of paper in front of them? Start just start drawing, just draw. Put your ideas on paper. Trust me, you're sitting there thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking, and it's not coming together, it's not coming together. What do you gotta do? Just start drawing, just start drawing. Then the design process just starts flowing out of you. Starts flowing out of you. And guys, there's gonna be days that, some days you just, you can't get it. It's better to back away from that drafting table, go do something else, clear your mind, and come back to it later. And then the process just starts flowing. There's days that we're going to have like that. And there's going to be days that we go through a whole roll of trash paper and we're like, man, I just cannot, I cannot get this landscape. But then you come back an hour later and boom, those ideas start flowing and that trash paper is solving your client's problems, their landscape problems. So landscape designers, communication tools. That's what we're using. And what we want to get to in this class is we want to get to that plan drawing, that bird's eye view. That means we're flying over it. You know, if you've ever been in an airplane and you look down, everything looks flat. You can see the roads, you can see tree covers, you can see buildings depending on how high you are. We have that bird's eye view. That's the plans that we're going to get to uh, in this class. It's directly overhead. Um, and it's how we communicate our ideas as the designer, as the design build contractor, or if you guys go into landscape architecture, it's how we communicate our ideas. Now, there are some really, really good landscape drone plans out there. The designer has painted a pretty picture, but does that necessarily mean that it's a good design? No. Some of the best drawings that I've seen have actually been the worst designs ever. But some of the 
worst looking drawings that I've seen have actually been some of the best implemented, implemented designs that you can drive by and look at. I know some landscape architects that don't know AutoCAD, that really don't like drawing by hand, they sketch the ideas out on trash paper, they give it to their CAD technician who can draw that pretty picture for them. But it is the most wonderful design because they've got years of experience. They, they have the knowledge, they have the ideas. They're just not the ones taking the time to draw that pretty picture. And that's okay because they've got people that's doing it for them. So don't get confused when you see a landscape plan and it's really pretty and it looks good on paper and then you start looking at the plant material and you start looking at the site conditions you're like, whoa, this isn't going to work. The individual drew a heck of a plan, but it's not the best landscape design. They didn't solve the client's problems. And again, that's what it goes back to. And another issue that sometimes I struggle with myself when I'm solving a person's landscape problems, I start designing their yard like it's what? My yard. You can't think like that. That goes back to that client interview. Not only have you pre-qualified them that they're, yes, they're going to hire you. Yes, they're going to pay you. But you got to figure out what it is that they want done. And that all happens in that client interview. And there's a whole lecture and topic that we'll get into uh, when we start discussing that later on. So just remember, remember, um, you interview the client, you solve their problem, and you're presenting it with uh, these planned graphics. Now, who are the people when it comes to a landscape design? Well, one is the client. They're the ones paying you for it, paying for the design. And then there's the landscape contractor who implements the design or builds it. So you may be just hired to do the landscape design and that's fine, you know? That is a great self-employment business, being a landscape designer. Still need to have that landscape contractor license to make it legitimate. You know, that is under the landscape contracting law, chapter 89D, state statutes, but you may just be doing design work. You're working for that client. They've accepted your design. And then you're gonna be dealing with the landscape contractor. You may, may also have an opportunity to be involved in the installation of the project. You know, working as a construction manager, overseeing the property. Because I tell you what, if I am the designer and I'm not installing it, I still wanna be a part of the installation because I wanna make sure that my design is implemented exactly the way I wanted it to be. A good designer follows the project from start to finish, even through the maintenance of the project. A good landscape designer will also come up with a landscape management plan to give the client to make sure that in five years after installation that that design still looks good. Because the worst thing you want to do is be known for a project Five years later, they haven't maintained it. There's no weed control in the shrub beds. None of the beds have been remulched. None of the shrubs have been pruned. And then they're like, oh, Eric Jones designed that property. Look how horrible it looks, right? 
You want to be a part of the projects even after it's installed. We'll also provide sketches, section drawings, or computer images can accompany that plan drawing. Now again, that plan drawing is the bird's eye two-dimensional. Sketches could be perspectives that we draw. Kind of hard to draw those, but, uh, but easy, I mean, you learned over time. Section drawings are real easy. You just draw a line through the property and basically just uplift the property and it's a two-dimensional looking at it as we were standing on the street. And then computer images, which I think are probably replacing these perspectives or sketches uh, with, with software programs like ProLandscape, digital imaging. Uh, ProLandscape is probably one of the best landscape design softwares out there, uh, especially for the small contractor, small design build contractor, or even you know, uh, a one-person landscape design firm. You would want ProLandscape in your office because you can do the CAD drawings with it. You can do the digital imaging, and you can also do like a 3D tour of the landscape. You could actually walk through it. Um, even that poster we have up there on the wall uh, to the right of the screen from North Carolina A&T. Chris, one of the uh, professors down there, brought me that. Um, you can actually, I, I've never done this, but uh, supposedly not with an iPhone, but he said with uh, uh, the other phones, uh, you could take a picture and somehow or another it could walk you through that project when that project was live. Uh, so you could actually sit there on your phone and actually walk through the landscape. They're, uh, they're experimenting with all kinds of things like that at A&T now, and it's, it's really, really cool. Um, so multiple ways that we can get our ideas across. But again, for this class, we're focusing on that plan drawing because you've got to have that before you can have anything else. You can even do models, you know, uh, raising the buildings up, putting the trees out there, and doing all kinds of models. And we do that with like a foam core base. We did that all the time uh, at A&T. But what our presentation graphics do, they, they present the concept with very few words. It's all symbols and textures. So we're going to symbol our turf grass. We're going to symbol the trees, symbol pavement, symbol the brick pavers that we use. Everything's going to be drawn and actually anyone that looks at the plan should be able to to understand what's going on. They should be able to stand, oh yeah, that's that's brick pavers because you're going to draw each individual brick and then you're going to color it with like a red color or you know if you're using the brown bricks you're going to color it with that. Um, trees, you're going to be able to to understand what are the trees. You're gonna understand where the grass is. You're gonna understand where the concrete is based on your drawing. You're not gonna to have to write many words on it. The only thing that you might put on there, uh, you might label some of the trees, especially if it's a project with a lot of plant material. Now, I put a billboard example up here. When you're driving down the road, what do you see on billboards? Do you see a lot of text? Do you actually have to read it while you're driving by it? Or do you see like symbols of the company that's advertising? You know, if Pepsi puts their product on a billboard, they're not saying drink Pepsi, it cures your thirst. They're putting a picture of their Pepsi bottle, right? And you recognize it, you don't have to read it. Same thing with these landscape drawings. You should be able to look at it and understand it. Because basically what is 
What is a plan? And what are construction details? They're designed for layman turns, you know, for the, for the builders. Anybody should be able to take that plan and install it or build the project based on your drawings. Does everybody understand that? We're presenting our ideas, not only to the client, but also for the installer. They should be able to take that plan and not have to ask you so many questions. If they're calling you back and saying, you know, what's this, what's going on here, you didn't represent your, your design that well. They should be able to take it and install it and you just visually, you know, visually drive by, take a look at it and do some inspections. But they shouldn't have to be bugging you all the time. Well, what goes here, what goes there? The plan lays it out for them. It is, but it could be multiple, depending on the size of the project. But in residential design, it's probably going to be one piece of paper. Well, how do you deal with elevation? Like, you know, if you're looking at the front of the house, and there's all kinds of windows and things like that, how do you present that? That would be done in like a section drawing or a perspective drawing. Okay, yeah. yeah. But, but part of the presentation. That's be part of the presentation to the client. Yeah. But the landscape contractor who's installing it is probably only going to, yeah, he's going to get that planting plan. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, but guys, when it comes to grade elevation, you start moving dirt and you start moving contour lines, you have to be a licensed landscape architect. That's the thing there. Or if you start building retaining walls, how tall is a retaining wall? How tall can a retaining wall be without being engineered? Is it three? Four. It's four, ain't it? I think it's, I think it's four. We went over that in construction class, but it's four feet. So anything under four feet, we can build. If it's a four foot retaining wall, it's gotta be engineered. Now, your block manufacturers that you're buying the block, whether it's VersaLock or any of those type products, they'll have it engineered for you. They'll give you the engineered drawings for that and say, build it to these specs, which means you gotta start using GeoGrid. You gotta put so many rock behind it. The footer's gotta be so big and so wide. They'll give you the specifications on that, and that is engineering. And when the building inspector comes by and sees that, they'll look for those drawings from the block manufacturer. Or you can hire a civil engineer to come out and do that stuff. And it's not bad to have one that's, that you work with. They're not that expensive, just like surveyors. If you have a property, now I've, I've told people this many times, and I've done this myself, if the property is just so oddly shaped or the client doesn't have a survey or you're in a county that doesn't have a, a geodata website, hire a surveyor to come out and survey the property. They'll, they'll give you the four corners. They'll put the house on the property. They'll do the driveway and the sidewalk all for probably around 400 bucks. Not bad. They'll email you the drawing that you can upload to Pro Landscape, to AutoCAD, or plot out and do your hand drawing. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And they've got everything squared away. You go in some of these neighborhoods, we might start finding out what? What are some nightmares that we might see in some of these older neighborhoods? Neighbors putting fences on neighbors' property. Trees growing on neighbors' properties because they didn't really have good surveys. 
I've even seen where people had to cut part of their driveway off because the back corner of the driveway was on the neighbor's property. You know, and if that happened to me, do you think I would be mad at my neighbor because they poured six inches of concrete over to my property? No. I'm not going to pitch a fit, but some people, that just drives them crazy, and they make them cut it off. They make them cut down a tree that's hanging on their property. Unreal. I mean, because we're the ones out there doing this stuff for people, and you'll see it. All right. Very, very simple drawing here. Have a red bud. We've got some boxwoods. Uh, got exposed aggregate, flagstone, got some mondo grass, more boxwoods, more flagstone, got some Anthony water spirea, great plant. Kind of plain, right? Very boring. I mean, it gets the job done with, you know, labeling the plants, but I don't like that. When would you want to do something like this? When would you want to do something like this? And, and, and it's okay to, to be incorrect. This is, this is lecture one, guys. This is lecture one. But a drawing like this can be done. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. If I was working for a client and I've been with them for 10, 15 years, I've been taking care of their property, and they're like, hey, we want to redo our front foundation planning, I might sketch something out like this for them really quick on the job site while I'm talking to Miss Smith. And then she's like, hey, Eric, yes, trust you. That looks good. Do it. You know, send me an invoice. We'll, we'll take care of it. Something like that real quick and sweet that I can give to my install crew. Hey, go by the nursery, pick these up. Here's this, sketch it out. Go by Miss Smith's house and lay it out like this. I'd do something like this. Now, but look at this right here. I've never worked for Miss Smith. I'm trying to impress her. I'm trying to sell her. I'll sit down at the kitchen table with this. Now, a little easier to read, right? We can read that being landscape professionals. Miss Smith's going to be like, hey, I trust you. You've been working for me for 15 years. Let's do it. Wow. Mr. Jones, that looks really great. I like that. And so that, that's your red bud? Yeah, that's your red bud. Got some boxwoods there, some boxwoods there. We got our Anthony water spirea. I'd like to do a flagstone entrance walk up to the house. Well, we got some exposed aggregate there. We'll do some more uh, flagstone there. Wow, it looks good, Mr. Jones. You know, I, I think we're going to go with your design. Let's hire it. So you see the difference in presentation graphics there? Somebody that I've been working with for 10 or 15 years, or even five years, or somebody that's brand new. Now, guaranteed though, if I was to give this plan to my install guys, they might not know what these plants are. I'd have to have a label. I'd have to have some type of key that would identify it. Now, if on the trailer is only one tree, they'll know that that's the tree. But really, they don't know the difference between there. Now, I that looks like boxwoods the way they've drew it but somebody else they might those could be the boxwoods or are those the anthony water well, what what shrub is that where's the mondo grass go they'll be able to figure out where the flags you know the flagstone goes and the exposed aggregate but those plant materials would need to be labeled again 
basic, basic graphics here. But when you guys are on trash paper, we've got our base map complete, which means the house, the sidewalk, the driveway, existing features are on our plan. We lay our trash paper over that. We should start designing like this, drawing circles. And again, I told you yesterday, I always make the mistake of start designing with plants in my mind. No, we start designing with shapes and sizes of trees and plants. Then we pick out the particular plants. We're filling up space here. Got a water feature. We know we got some large shrubs, small shrubs. We got a sidewalk and a patio. But we take it to the next level and look at that. We've got our water feature. We've got some rock around it. Very, very easy to see that. Can everybody see that that is a water feature? Do y'all recognize that as being water? What do we recognize this as being? Brick. This right here, more of not flagstone, but more of like a tile patio. Here we got the stippling over here to represent turf grass. And then we know that this patio is screened out because we have larger needle-like shrubs represents that those are evergreens, that those are gonna be green all year round. So we know that that patio is gonna be screened. And we know that those are boulders. And we know that right there, as detailed as that tree right there is, is a focal point. So basically, we're probably looking at some type of oriental garden you know, or Japanese garden around the patio because you got the water feature, you got the boulders, and I can almost bet that that is a Japanese maple by looking at that plan without even seeing the plants labeled. So does every plan have to be presentation graphics? No, not really, because I showed you we can do some quick sketches for our clients. If there's that trust, if that's that confidence back and forth between the client and designer, you don't necessarily have to make everything beautifully drawn. So with our design process, we're back to that client interview. We're sitting there in our office, Tuesday morning, eight o'clock, the phone rings, Ms. Smith calls. Hey, Ms. Smith, it's Eric, Elite Landscape Service. How can I help you? Well, we're looking at redoing our front foundation planting, and we're, we're actually thinking about an outdoor kitchen as well. Okay, all right. Well, we have a, uh, we have a uh, survey that I'd like to email you, or you can go to our website, and you can click on Design Services and do the online survey. Ms. Smith, what that's going to tell me is exactly what you guys are looking for. Now, it's going to be a series of questions because you may not realize that you may want landscape lighting around your outdoor kitchen. So th those are the types of questions that we're going to ask you. And that way, when we get that survey and we meet you, and by the way, Ms. Smith, what would be a good, good day to come by and meet you? Well, how about tomorrow, Eric? We can be at tomorrow. Ms. Smith, we'll, we'll, when, when will Mr. Smith be there? What time does he get off work? Well, he should be home about 530. Tell you what, Ms. Smith. Uh, is it all right if I come by about 5.30, 5.45? You tell me. I'm going to get there a few minutes early because I want to walk around the property before I sit down with you guys at the kitchen table. 
But in the meantime, can you please get that survey back to me so I kind of have an idea of what you want? Well, well yeah, yeah, we'll, I'll go ahead and take care of that right now. And you said you're, I'll be there tomorrow at 530. Yes, ma'am. Now, I'm also going to send you a brochure on our design services. I'm going to send that brochure over to her that's going to explain to her that we charge for design. We charge for design. Now, some of you in the past, students in the past have asked, well, what about design build? Do you charge for the design separate and then the build separate? Well, guys, a lot of design build contractors will give a discount or credit that design price to the install. Trust me, they're covering their cost. They're not losing money on it. But what it is, some people just have a hard time paying a designer for a piece of paper. Because we're not talking a couple hundred bucks. We're talking much higher level than that. You should be minimum 80 bucks an hour when designing for somebody. Minimum. I like that range of 100 to 120. Because you are a professional. You know your stuff. You know your plant material. You know your construction materials. When you're drawing something like this, you need to be earning your pay. Now, as you get more experience, does it take you a long time to draw some of this stuff? Not really. I mean, you, you, you get better with time and you get faster with time. I can take somebody's survey and blow it up from a, from a legal size sheet of paper, which survey should come on a legal sheet of paper that's in the job site box or in the drawer of the client. They, they can hand that to me or they can scan it and email it to me. They can even take a picture with their phone and text it to me. And in about 15 minutes, I can have that site plan blown up on the 24 by 36 easily. I need the description of the line, the house footprint, and two dimensions of the house off one corner, and I can put it on paper. And so when Miss Smith calls and we hang up, two hours later, I get an email back with that survey on it. I've already gone to Forsyth County Geodata. Or I've asked her, do you have a survey? Can you send me a copy? If she doesn't, I'm going to Forsyth County Geodata. I'm pulling up their property. I'm printing it off. And I'm spending that 10 or 15 minutes to blow that property up. Real quick, real simple. Not pretty, but, but dimensioned correctly. And when I go to Miss Smith's house 15 minutes prior to sitting down at the kitchen table or meeting her and Mr. Smith, I'm walking around the property. What am I doing? I'm doing a very quick site inventory and analysis. What's there? What problems do I see? And on that base map that I've drawn, I'm sketching that with my Pentel sign pen. I'm also pulling out my phone and I'm taking more pictures than I need because I can always delete pictures. But I've got that site inventory and analysis and I go inside and I sit down at the kitchen table and I pull out my phone and I'm showing pictures and I'm like, Mr. And Ms. Smith, you know, I see a problem here. You know, you've got a wet spot in the lawn. Here's a good area that I think would be perfect for the outdoor kitchen. You, you said that you wanted um, a rose garden. You wanted a vegetable garden. Well, we need to put it in the back left corner because that's the sunniest part of your backyard. You know how I many people want gardens in their backyard, but they try to put it in the shade? They won't know that until they see it on paper. 
we start seeing those issues when we put it on paper. What's, what's the most ideal orientation to put an outdoor kitchen or patio or deck? What's the, the, the ideal exposure? And when I say exposure, north, west, east, or south. What would be the best exposure for an outdoor sitting area, like a deck or patio, in, this, in our climate here in North Carolina? Well, it does depend on the time of day, but ideally what would be the, the best exposure for, an, for a patio? Think about it. Yep, exactly, exactly. Eastern exposure is the best place to put an outdoor patio deck or outdoor kitchen. But are we necessarily able to do that in some of these neighborhoods? No, because the eastern exposure of the house might be the front door, and they don't want their outdoor kitchen in their front yard. They want it in the back. But being landscape designers, we know that we can provide shade with certain trees. We know we can screen with certain trees. We know how we can create that space and make it comfortable for our clients. We've got our site inventory and analysis. We're sitting down, we're talking to it. Now, in landscape architecture, the site inventory and analysis drawings will be very, very detailed, colorful drawings. In residential landscape design, it's probably just gonna be that Sharpie on trash paper, and that's okay. But then we're gonna move into concept plan. We're only gonna show them that site inventory and analysis there. Mr. and Ms. Smith, here's my design estimate. Uh, I can do this job for three, $4,000. We'll have you a nice landscape plan, construction detail thing out. I can meet you next Tuesday, give me a week. I'll have some concept plans put together for you, possibly preliminary design. Let's meet. You want to meet? Because you always leave. There's two things you're going to leave that client's home with. What do you think they are? Down payment. Because you're not drawing one more thing until you get that down payment. And then second is that next time that you meet. Penciled in on your calendar. I will be here next Tuesday again at 545 with your concept plan, with the preliminary plan. And at this next meeting, Mr. and Ms. Smith, I'm gonna have some different ideas for you to look at. And then you'll tell me, are we on the right track? Are we moving forward? You know, if everything looks good on these preliminary stuff and concept plan, we'll move into master plan and then other plans. But your concept plan, nothing but bubble diagrams. Again, circles on the plan. Well, she wanted a garden, you know, north is here on the house. I know that the back left corner is the sunniest spot. Draw a circle for the vegetable garden. They wanted an outdoor kitchen. The kitchen's on the back right side of the house. So I need to draw a circle at the back right of the house saying this is where the outdoor kitchen's going to be. Why well, don't I want the outdoor kitchen near the indoor kitchen? Because you're back and forth, back and forth. They may want it on the left side, but when they see that bubble, well, yeah, it makes sense. I need it near the, the indoor kitchen. They understand it because they see it on paper. We understand it as a designer because we see it on paper. Then we move into preliminary design. Preliminary design, 
Things are starting to look more detailed. You can tell with what's plants. You're gonna tell that that's gonna be some type of concrete paver or brick paver. And then we move into master plan, which everything is labeled and, and identified. Every tree is identified, every brick's identified. Is it, you know, old heritage from Pine Hall brick? You know, everything is picked out on the master plan. Then we move in to other plans, which could be our construction details, could be the landscape lighting plan, could be the irrigation plan, could be our section drawings, it could be our perspectives, it could be our digital imaging. We, as a landscape contractor, you can do anything on a residential site. I mean, if it's a residential client, you can do it. Even landscape contractors can design on commercial properties if it's just planting plans. And we'll- That was the question, I mean, if you wanna put some shade other than uh, plants, for example, sunshine, oh. something like that, is that crossing, are you crossing the line there? Or is there There's always that fine line. There's always, and, and we'll, we'll go over licensing law for, for this class um, because a good friend of mine uh, on the East Coast um, had a design build kitchen company and had a turf care business. He had them separate, run them as two separate business. He did an outdoor kitchen for a client. He hired an irrigation contractor because he's not a licensed irrigation contractor, so he's doing the right thing. He was subbing it out to an irrigation contractor. Kept calling his irrigation guy. Hey man, I need, you know, need to start this job. We've about got it done. They need the irrigation in. No return phone call. What happened, the individual had passed away. But they had such a good working relationship that he went ahead and pulled the irrigation permit. Next day, deputy sheriff, yeah, what's going on? Uh, you pulled the permit in such and such name. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's my irrigation contractor. Yeah, well, uh, he's no longer in business and you pulled a permit in his license and his sister called us and notified us. He was arrested. They also got him for working as a general contractor without a general contractor's license because in the state of North Carolina, you cannot hire another sub to work on somebody else's property unless you have the general contractor's license. We can do unlimited amount of work as a landscape contractor if we are doing the work. Anybody can do any type of landscaping on somebody's property up to $30,000. The landscape contractor law states that if you're doing work for an individual on a property in a single year, even if it's multiple sites, like if you're working for Burger King, and if you do more than $30,000 worth of work other than just cutting grass, it only, takes, it only excludes turf grass. But if you spread mulch on all the Burger Kings in North Carolina and it's more than $30,000, you have to be a licensed landscape contractor. And then we can do, we could do a million dollar landscape for a client, but we can't hire that sub. We can't hire that electrician to come wire outdoor sockets for us to plug in the landscape lighting. We can't hire a plumber on our job site to come connect the outdoor kitchen faucets unless we have a GC license. So your contract needs to state that you're only doing the landscape part. Now, nothing wrong with that homeowner hiring the plumber to come do that connection for you or hire that electrician.
just be careful. And that, that's a gray area. That's a gray area. Other horror stories that I've heard, guys, I travel around the state talking to these contractors. An individual, a doctor, hired an unlicensed landscape contractor. Had about a $60,000 project on his new house. Guy sends him an invoice. He mails him a check for $29,999. Guy calls him, hey, Doc, what's going on, man? You know, the bill was for 60 some thousand. He's like, you're an unlicensed landscape contractor. You're in violation of North Carolina statutes 89D. I only have to pay you to $30,000 because you're not licensed. Put that guy out of business. But doctor did that on purpose. He knew that the individual was not licensed. He knew the law. So what's that saying? Get licensed. If he'd have been licensed, he'd have got a $60,000 check. But to be honest with you, he probably wouldn't have hired him because he'd have went and got somebody else that wasn't licensed. It's unreal what people will do to you out there when it comes to the dollar bill. I've had one design stolen from me. One. And it would never happen again. And it was somebody, and it was somebody that we had been working for for several years. They upgraded their house. Eric, we're moving in. Need landscaping. Do it around the pool, front foundation. Builder was still, you know, hadn't even sowed grass yet. Designed the whole property for him. Did it in pro landscape. Did the digital imaging. Hadn't heard from him in two or three weeks. Couldn't get him on the phone. Wouldn't answer my call. I go over to Joe's Landscaping off 421, April standing down there at the counter, and she's like, Eric, oh my gosh, one of your plans come through last week. Beautiful. They bought everything on it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I mean, they bought $10,000 worth of plants from us. I'm like, what? Who was it? She told me the name. I'm like, God Almighty. Drove by his house, installed to the T. We were working for this guy for several years, several years, and he pulled one on me. Pulled one on me. He finally sent me about $400. So what happens. Now you got to be up front. I charge. I'm expensive. But you're hiring the best, Mr. and Ms. Smith. If you don't want the best, that's fine. That's fine. I don't need your work. I value your work. I value your business. And there's a difference between being arrogant and confident. And when you sit down at the kitchen table and you know your stuff, you're going to win every time. Because in this profession, guys, there are so many sloppy working people. And when you sit down here, associate's degree in horticulture, I'm a landscape contractor, I'm a certified plant professional, and all that's in your portfolio, and that's all over your website and social media, you've already sold them. You've already sold them. But there are those people that's going to look for the cheapest price no matter what. And I don't want to work for those people. So I, I pre-qualify them. I'm not going to waste my time. Because you get good enough that when the phone rings, you start understanding who's fishing and who's serious. And that just comes with time. That comes with experience.
used to didn't have to be. And I need to, I need to call the licensing board on that because in the, the landscape contractors law, states landscape design. And I'm wondering if that means up to $30,000 or does that mean in general just practicing design? So I'd, I'd need to call and verify that with them. But there's still a lot of designers out there working um, that aren't contractors. Now, other people that do landscape designs would be civil engineers, landscape architects, PEs, any of those kinds. A general contractor can do landscape design on the house that they're building without being licensed landscape contractor. So all these new license law guys have came out. We've only been licensed landscape contractors now for third year. This was the third renewal this past July 31st, which was a good thing, which was a good thing for the industry. Hard thing is, is just policing it because there's a lot of guys out there getting away with doing more than $30,000 worth of work for a client and doing a poor job of it. And we as designers, we as horticulture professionals, we're the ones that need to educate the public. We have to. All right, these are some drawings from the book. Site inventory and analysis on the left, concept drawing in the middle. Again, bubble diagrams right here. And then we've got preliminary design. Preliminary design, we haven't picked out plant material. We haven't picked out what color brick. We haven't picked out any of the stuff. We've just got volume filled. We've got it designed the way we want it. Then we go back and pick out, we're gonna put a crepe myrtle here. We're gonna put a Leland Cypress here, whatever we're doing. So site inventory and analysis to concept to preliminary. You'd want to sit down first, probably that second meeting with this, possibly that, but you may want to take in three or four concept plans for them to look at, just different ideas. They might combine one and two. They might trash plan four altogether, and they may pick one thing out of concept three. But it, again, you're solving their problem, and you're letting them be a part of the design process. Why not let them Because site inventory and analysis Site inventory is what's there, it's fact. Analysis is your expert opinion of what needs to take place. Hey, remove this tree, you'll have the best view of downtown Winston-Salem. You have a wet spot in the backyard. We need to add drainage, we need to bury your, uh, your, your downspouts. You know, that's site inventory is fact, what's there. Analysis is your expert opinion. You're the problem solver. Then we move into master plan. You see that the trees, they have like, like LI for Lagostromia indica, designating that it is a crepe myrtle down in a plant key somewhere on the plan. Then you have details. How do you plant the shrubs? How do you plant the trees? The depths and everything. And then section drawings. Section again is drawing a straight line through a two dimensional plan, raising it up, and showing it like this. You got the tree, you got some shrubs around it, and you got some grasses in the background. And then you have the planting plan, which will be the installer or landscape contractor doing the project, doing the install. Irrigation plan. Now, 
as a designer and as a landscape contractor, you cannot design irrigation. You have to be a licensed landscape contractor. I mean, you have to be a licensed irrigation contractor to do anything with the irrigation. But if you're a landscape architect, you can design it. Landscape architecture license covers irrigation. But the landscape contracting license does not cover irrigation. But there are so many landscapers that don't know anything about irrigation. They'll just say irrigation contractor to provide as-built drawing. And we see that all the time. See that all. Even landscape architects, which their license covers irrigation, they don't know how to do irrigation. They don't know how to draw it. They don't know how to size pipe. They don't know the, the plant requirements for, uh, for, the, for the plants that they're designing with. That's a whole separate ball game. And you could start doing digital imaging software. This is a pro landscape picture, existing house. All these shrubs and trees, guys, are inserted plant material from the plant library uh, photo source within pro landscape. And you can show them exactly what the, what the project's gonna look like five years down the road, 10 years down the road. You can see the growth of the plants within the software. And some key words, you know, analysis, bubble diagrams, pay close attention to that. It's on the last page in your textbook. Uh, concept plan, construction details, functional diagrams, and, you know, just throw that in there for you guys to, to really study those up. But again, here's Pro Landscape. You can use it on multiple uh, machines. You can have your drawings, you know, sent to your iPad. So you're sitting there at the kitchen table scrolling through it because you never want to leave a drawing with the client. You want them to either come to your office to see the final plans or you want to take it to them digitally so you leave with it. Don't ever give them the opportunity. Well, can we keep those plans overnight and look at them together? Absolutely not, Mr. and Ms. Smith. And never let them take a picture of it. They can take a picture of it when they have paid you in full. A buddy of mine in Greensboro, all they do is outdoor kitchens. He's by the airport. He's hired a full-time landscape architect to design his kitchens. I mean, he's gotten that big. They built a huge conference room in his showroom, off to, off to one side of his showroom, carpeted, you know, big conference table, and got a flat screen TV almost as big as this screen that we're looking at here that he pulls up the plans. And he makes them leave their cell phones outside the conference room. He's like, you will not take a picture until we have payment in full. But he's built that reputation that people understand. They want his designs. They want his work. So that concludes chapter one of your Bertowski textbook. So what are you, what are you guys thinking? Fun? Interesting? Drawing is cool. Drawing is cool. And trust me, trust me, even if you don't do it as a, as a career, it's going to help you pick out what are good designs and what are bad designs. And you might go to your client and say, this isn't going to work. We need to do this. We need to do this. And if they trust you and respect you, you've sold them already. You've sold them already. Good deal. Go ahead and read chapter one. Compare it to the notes. And then uh, we'll move on to chapter two next class.